Welcome to Dafyomi Nazir, One Week at a Time. This is our third lesson, and tonight we are going to be reviewing Daf 16 through 22. Uh, again, I apologize for my voice. Be'ezrat uh, Hashem, it'll be fine. Um, okay, we are going to be learning the third chapter today. Um, and it starts uh, on Daf 16 with the Mishnah. And the Mishnah says, if a person says, I'm a Nazir. Now, we said that in general, a person is a Nazir for 30 days, unless otherwise specified. So we had uh, discussed last week that at the end of the Nazirut process, uh, the person needs to shave their head, to cut their hair. Um, so, um, let's say, right, in general, they're supposed to cut their hair on the 31st day, meaning 30 days of being a Nazir. On day 31 is the, the, the ceremony to complete the Nazirut. But if the person cut their hair on day 30, it's okay. Um, that's the Mishnah. The Mishnah continues, if a person says, I will be a Nazir, for 30 days, then uh, they cannot cut their hair on day 30. They must cut it on day 31 because cutting the hair is the end of the process. And they said that they needed to be a Nazir for a full 30 days. Let's say you took on two Nizirutes. And we discussed that last week. You know, if you take on consecutive um, sets of Nizirut, so if you take on two periods of being a Nazir, so you cut your hair on day 31 and then day 61, meaning 30, cut your hair, then, then you finish and then again on day 61. But if you cut on 30 and then 60, that's also okay. But 59 is not okay, meaning it has to be again 30 days. And the Mishnah tells us that day 30, again, if we're talking about uh, two consecutive uh, Nizirut uh, periods, day 30 can count as the last day of the first and the first day of the second. Uh, so that the Gemara is going to discuss how is that possible. Um, the Mishnah continues that if a Nazir became impure on day 30, they lose all 30 days of the Nizirut. That's opinion number one. Again, remember we said a Nazir is not allowed to become impure. Um, or another opinion is you only lose seven days, meaning a week, the amount of time that you're impure, and then you start, you continue the count. Uh, so we have two opinions there. Um, again, if you said that you were going to be a Nazir for 30 days and you became impure on day 30, everybody agrees you lose everything because, again, you needed those full 30 days. Let's say you were a Nazir for 100 days. So day 100, if you become impure, you lose everything. Or, says the Mishnah, another opinion is you lose a month. This is based on a verse that you lose the a, a regular Nizirut period, which is one month. Um, again, 
if a person is a nazir on for a hundred days and they become impure on day a hundred and one, now again you lose one month or you only lose seven days because you already finished the hundred days, you're just on the last day of the ceremonial day of finishing the process. Um, okay, so the Gemara explains that if after the completion of the Nizirut, you become impure, of course, this is if you didn't do the whole ceremony yet, so then you only lose one week. But if it's during the Nizirut process, you lose all the previous days. So that's just important to understand in terms of counting. <coughs> Okay, so far so good. Next Mishnah. Um, okay, the next Mishnah says, um, a person took upon themselves to be a Nazir while standing in a cemetery. Now, we all are shocked. How could that be? You're standing in a cemetery. We know that if you're standing in a cemetery, you become impure from all the dead bodies that are around you. So what happens? So the Mishnah explains, even if the person is there for 30 days, they camped out in the cemetery, um, it doesn't count as part of his, as the person's nizirut, and you don't need to bring a sacrifice for being impure, because the idea is you haven't become a nazir till you leave the cemetery. So as long as they're standing in the cemetery, the person is not a nazir. If the person goes out and then comes back in, now that's it. We ca- we start the count, um, and now you need to bring a sacrifice for becoming impure. Um, or the the Mishnah also adds another opinion that only right. The question is, how long were you outside for? If you were out for only one day, it still doesn't start the count. It only starts the count on day two. So if you're out of the cemetery for two days, then the Nizirut starts. And now if you go back into the cemetery, you become impure and you mess up the days from before. So now, um, you mentioned my yawning, so yes. Um, So now, um, now the Gemara explains, right? Maybe, right, again, we said, that the person isn't really a Nazir as long as they're in the cemetery. But the Gemara brings another source that says, while the person is in the cemetery, they can't drink wine or cut their hair. So that seems to imply that they are a Nazir at that point. Um, the Gemara says, no, that's not the case. They're not a Nazir. Um, <coughs> they're not considered a Nazir while standing in the cemetery. If a person was impure, and this is our case, right? If a person was impure and took upon themselves to be a Nazir, they can't cut their hair or drink wine. And that seems to imply that they do become a Nazir, right? Even though they're impure at that point, it seems that they do become a Nazir. Um, Daf 17 tells us no, it must be that the person wasn't impure for a moment, took upon themselves to be a Nazir, 
and then they became impure once again. Meaning, if there was never a point where they were pure, so then it does not work. Um, now the Gemara continues. Again, if someone is impure and they take upon themselves to be a Nazir, so then the seventh day of his purification, again, it takes seven days to become purified once a person becomes impure from a dead body, um, right? Tumat mit. It takes seven days. So uh, the Gemara explains that the seventh day of the uh, purification process counts as the first day of being a Nazir, right? So the, again, that last day is also going to count as the first day. So this shows that when they accepted to be a Nazir, it actually worked. So the Gemara says, wait, let's compare it. Let's say a person is a Nazir and then they became impure. So then, right, this um, this person, um, if on the seventh day of impurity, right, isn't the first day of the rest of their Nizirut. So the Gemara explains, how does this work? If a Tameh person becomes a Nazir, there's actually a Machloket if they get lashes for being impure. Right? Meaning, it seems to be that everybody agrees that he does become a Nazir, even though he took upon himself to be a Nazir when he was impure. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, maybe they get lashes or maybe they can't cut their hair and drink wine. Again, there seems to be a source that proves that if the person was Tameh, impure, and then took upon themselves to be a Nazir, they do get lashes. So that seems to say that the person in the cemetery is going to be a Nazir, even though they're standing in the cemetery. So the Gemara explains that really, why does the person in the cemetery get lashes? Because he's, we thought it was because he's impure. And the Gemara says, no, um, they get lashes because the, the person lingered there. The fact that they lingered in the cemetery means that they don't mind being impure. Um, and then the Gemara continues and says, maybe the case is that the person was warned before they entered the cemetery. And if they're warned, don't take on being a Nazir. If you're going into the cemetery, right, you're going to get lashes. So therefore, the person gets lashes. Right? Or another very, uh, I guess, uh, creative case is that the person entered the cemetery in a closed chest, right? in a chest of drawers, and they took upon themselves uh, to be a Nazir. Right? They weren't impure. And then someone removed the floor from the chest of drawers and they came right out. And now they're standing in the middle of the cemetery. Um, so again, uh, it seems to be a very interesting uh, case. Um, the Gemara continues, just like the impure days don't count for the Nizirut, so too if the person becomes a mitzorah, right? A person gets tsara'at, which is leprosy, 
Again, not what today they call leprosy, not a neurological uh, disease, rather a spiritual, physical, a physical disease because of a spiritual problem. Um, so if this person gets tzarat, um, that also stops the count. Um, again, or another option is maybe the days of the tzarat also count. Again, if the person has tzarat, they are also impure. Uh, so that's just important to understand. Um, ah, okay. Lizette, uh, uh, Aliza asks, how far away from a dead body is safe from impurity? Excellent question. Um, basically, either in order to become impure, uh, you need to actually either touch a dead body, uh, stand over a dead body, meaning if you are walking over a grave, uh, we say that the impurity goes up uh, and therefore um, you cannot walk over graves. Or um, if you remember, we discussed this, I think a few years ago, the concept of Tumat Ohel. Tumat Ohel is um, a special law in re reference to uh, impurity of a dead body, which means if you and the dead body are under the same roof. Now, roof, I use the word um, uh, um, expansively. It does not necessarily mean, it, could, it also means a roof, but it could mean anything that is like a canopy uh, or a tent over you and the dead body. Uh, the the uh, impurity is shared throughout that space, um, which is why um, we try to not plant uh, trees that have uh, large branches uh, in a cemetery, um, because if a tree right is over a dead body and then you walk under the tree, even if it's not under the dead body, right, that that impurity is passed to you as well, uh, which is why I remember in Queens, uh, growing up, there was a, um, a, a Jewish cemetery and um, there were these trees that overhung the, the, the road. And I think it was like clear that if you were a Kohen, again, there is a, nowadays, there is a prohibition or uh, for uh, priests, right, kohanim, not to become impure unless they really need to. Um, and therefore, I think they were not supposed to walk on that street. They needed to cross to the other side of the street um, because if they walked under the trees, they would become impure. Uh, that's also why um, if you go to a Jewish cemetery, most of the time uh, a priest's family will be buried on the, um, I don't know how to say, like on the aisle, on the street uh, where you don't have to go uh, into the cemetery as much. Uh, it's usually like at the entrance uh, and therefore the, the priest's family can visit their loved ones without actually having to go into the cemetery. Um, okay, um, excellent question. <clears throat> okay. Um, Okay, um, daf number, uh, daf 18, um, a nazir who is pure, right? A regular nazir who becomes impure, they need to bring a sacrifice um, and shave their head as opposed to um, 
a impure person who takes on Nizirut, they do not have to do either one of those things. So that's what we had mentioned previously. Um, okay, um, so now the, the question says, right, the, the Gemara asks, a, if you are taking on a new um, Nizirut uh, time after being impure, does it start on day eight, meaning after the seven days of purification? Does it start on day eight? Or maybe it starts on day seven, right? So on day seven, you shave, but on day eight, you bring the sacrifices. Uh, that's the question in the Gemara. Um, so the Gemara explains that if you become impure multiple times, you can bring one sacrifice at the end. So this must mean that you became impure on day seven, right? Because that's still within the purification process, which means there was never a time that you could bring the sacrifice, right? And therefore, you only bring one sacrifice at the end. Um, so again, um, the Gemara says that the eighth day starts the new count, even if you didn't bring the sacrifice yet. yet. Um, and again, maybe it's the eighth day in the morning or the eighth day, even the night before. Um, okay, um, the, the Gemara continues and tells us that usually, right, you bring, um, right, there were different sacrifices that they needed to bring. Um, and um, uh, the Gemara discusses the different sacrifices that uh, need to be brought for atonement. Daf 19 uh, talks about a woman who is a Nazir, a Nazira, um, and she becomes impure, and then she separates her sacrifices for that scenario, and then her husband um, revokes her Nizirut, and we're going to talk more about this uh, in a little bit. Uh, if you remember back to the last Masechet, the husband has the ability to revoke his wife's vows. Uh, one of those vows could be if she takes on uh, being a Nizira. So now here's the case. She sets aside her sacrifices already, meaning she sanctified them, and now her husband revokes the fact that she was a Nizira, so she's no longer a Nizira. What happens? So the Gemara explains that she brings the bird sin offering, um, right, the chatat ha'of, um, but she does not bring the bird burnt offering, the olat ha'of. Uh, the Gemara says, why? If the husband uprooted her vow, so then why would she still need to bring a sacrifice? Um, so the Gemara says um, she's still seen as someone who has sinned because she did become impure while she was a Nizira, uh, and therefore she brings the sin offering. Um, another option is the reason she brings the sin offering is because she separated herself from wine for a period of time, right? The fact that she was not able to drink wine for a certain amount of time means that she was not able to <coughs> take a part in, uh, you know, uh, physical pleasures 
uh, and therefore she brings a sin offering. Um, so the Gemara continues, but maybe she's, uh, again, seen as a sin. Uh, it's seen as a sin be- that she became impure, um, and that would be a problem. So the Gemara continues that, um, let's say a person, again, back to the case that we, we had started with this today, uh, if a person took upon themselves to be a Nazir while standing in a cemetery, right, if the person leaves and goes through a seven-day purification process and then they become a Nazir, even if the person goes back into the cemetery, so then um, the, the, the person... Um, is a Nazir, but now becomes impure, right? So if they go back into the cemetery on the first day, right, it doesn't work. Remember we said you need at least two days before going back in. Um, okay, so now the Gemara continues. Let's say a person says, I will be a Nazir for a hundred days, and then they become impure on the first day. Right, so obviously you don't lose that day because it was one day. Remember, we said we need at least two days to lose anything. What if they became impure on the last day? So one option is you don't lose all of it. Again, that's based on a verse. Um, but if you become impure on day ninety-nine, you do lose time because again, right, there is some time after that that day right you're not on the last day even though you're on the second to last day um okay the next mishnah on daf uh 19 tells us um if you have a long period of nizirut and then you finished it and then you went to israel right let's say you didn't live in israel and then you went to israel to bring your sacrifices of course, this is all in the time of the temple. So you went to Israel to bring your sacrifices. Bichamai say that you need to be a Nazir for at least 30 days in Israel, meaning there's something uh, important about being a Nazir in Israel. And if you weren't a Nazir at all in Israel, you have to do at least a month in Israel. Um, or... Uh, Another option is uh, you need to repeat the entire Nizirut, right? You need to do the whole thing again. And here we have a famous story of Haleni Hamalka, uh, right? She was a queen um, who became, uh, took upon herself to be a Nizira for seven years. Uh, her son was out at war and she was very nervous that he wouldn't come back alive. She says, if he comes back alive, I'll become a Nazir, a Nazira. Uh, he comes back. She becomes a Nazira for seven years. This is outside of Israel. She comes to Israel. They say, right, Beit Hillel say she needs to do another seven years. And then she becomes impure at the end of that seven years. So she has to do another seven years. And it turns out that she's a Nizira for 21 years. Or another version of the story is that she's a Nizira for 14 years. So neither story is great. Uh, it's either 14 or 21. Um, the Gemara explains <coughs> uh, 
Um, first of all, what's the problem about being a Nazir in uh, outside of Israel? Um, so according to Beit Shammai, um, outside of Israel, uh, we're concerned that the earth of outside, uh, outside of Israel is impure, right? People are not careful where they bury dead dead people, where they bury people, um, and therefore we're concerned. Uh, Beit Shammai is not so concerned, and therefore you only have to repeat a month. Beit Hillel are concerned about the air of the of uh, outside of Israel, and that is more stringent, and therefore you have to repeat the whole thing, right? Or the Gemara says, no, everyone holds that it's about the earth, uh, but rather, again, one says to repeat, and one says you do not have to repeat. Um, Again, um, the difference in the story, whether she became um, she was a Nizira for seven or fourteen, for fourteen or twenty-one years. Is basic, basically if she becomes impure after she finishes the the fourteenth year or not. Um, okay. Last Mishnah of the third chapter. Um, let's say two groups of witnesses testify against someone. One group says that the person took upon themselves two Nizi roots, and another group says that the person took upon themselves five Nizi roots, right? So there's contradictory uh, testimony. Beit Shammai says the person isn't a Nazir at all because they're contradicting each other. Beit Hillel say the person is a Nazir for two Nizi ruyot because two and five, they're Five is at least agreeing to two. So therefore, Beit Hillel say that the person needs to be a Nazir for at least two. Um, so again, the Gemara says this out, right? Everyone agrees that the person is a Nazir. Um, however, maybe the Machloket is one set of witnesses, right? So two people come, but one person says two and one person says five, right? So again, do we see them as uh, at least saying to <coughs> sorry um do we say that they're at least agreeing about two uh and that is the machloket in our mishnah so with that we finish the third chapter and now we're going to start the fourth chapter um okay hold on Okay, the fourth chapter. Um, the Mishnah tells us on Daf 20, um, a person says, I will be a Nazir. And then their friend who is walking by or who is standing there says, me too, right? Uh, and then another person says, me too, right? All of those people are Nazirim, right? They are all Nazirs. If the first person annuls their Nizi roots, right? They say, really, I didn't mean it. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It's too hard. So now all the other ones are annulled as well, right? The idea is that they're all connected. But if the last person annuls, so then it's only that last person. Okay. A person says, I'm a Nazir. The friend says, 
my mouth should be like yours and my hair should be like yours right that's basically saying me too uh, they are also a nazir uh, let's say a husband says i am a nazir and then the wife says me too so the husband can revoke her nizirut but he remains a nazir right because he's the one who started it if she says i'm a nazira and he says me too so now he can't revoke it because he is linked to her uh, and the gemara is going to explain this a little bit more in depth um the husband says i'm a nazir and you too now we'll see if it's and you too like statement or you too question like what do you think um but either way she needs to say amen meaning i agree so then right they both become nizirim right they're both become a nazir um he can revoke hers and he remains a nazir now the opposite right she says i'm a nizira you too and he says amen right like yeah let's do this together so now again he cannot revoke it because he is linked to her okay so the gemara is going to talk about all of this right as we said right all of these people are linking themselves to um to the person we're going to see which person in a minute and the Gemara explains it needs to be within a short amount of time, right? I can't wait uh, not even five minutes and say, oh, yeah, me too, right? It, it has to be, uh, in Hebrew, the phrase is toch kedei dibur, within the amount of time that you would speak. What does that mean? Um, so the Gemara explains it has to be within the time it takes you to say Shalom Alecha Rebbe, right? Hello, my teacher, right? So that amount of time, which is, I don't know, three seconds, uh, you need to say me too. Uh, otherwise, if you wait longer than that, it doesn't work. Um, Daf 21 tells us, um, again, if you waited longer, so then you're not a Nazir. Um, okay, excuse me. Now the Gemara asks, um, when you're linking yourself to the person, right? Let's say we have, uh, right, Ruvain, Shimon, Levi. Ruvain takes the, the Nizirut. Shimon says, me too. Levi says, me too. The question is, Levi, is he saying, me too, to Shimon? Or is he saying, me too, to Ruvain? Why does it matter, right? Because, um, right, again, if it's only amount of, if you're limited in amount of time, so then uh, we're, we're going to go from the time Ruvain says the neder, you only have a couple of seconds. They have to say me too very quickly. Or each person is linked to the person before them, and then you can have an unlimited amount of people that can become a nazir uh, in this stretch of time. Um, also, the question is, if they're all linked to the first person, then the first person, if they annul their vow, everybody else is annulled, as opposed to the opposite, um, if not. Right, so again, the the Breita says 
if the middle guy annuls, anyone from him down is annulled. So that seems to say that everybody is, is linked to the person before them and not to the original person. Um, okay, the Gemara continues. We said in the Mishnah, my hand... Um, <clears throat> one second. Ah, if you say my hand will be a Nazir, uh, that doesn't work. But if you say my head is a Nazir, that does work. Uh, what is it based on? Any limb that is essential, uh, if you use that in your vow, so then it makes you a Nazir. Um, but right when the person said, um, my mouth is like his with wine, right? Or my hair is like, his, remember we said my head is like his or my hair is like his. Um, so it has to be that you're very specific about the hair and the wine. And then that shows that you want to be a Nazir. Um, when a husband revokes, ah, so we actually had this discussion in Masachat Nadarim uh, when we talked about the husband revoking a vow and we, uh, the vow of his wife. And we asked, right, is when the husband revokes the vow, does he uproot it from uh, the beginning, meaning it's as if it never existed, or basically he severs it? right? From this moment on, you are no longer whatever you are, right? So let's say with the Nazir, right? Is he saying she was now never a Nazira? Or from now on, she will not be a Nazira, right? So the why is this relevant? Because if the friend heard the woman, and she says, me too, and then the husband of the first woman revokes it, so now, if he uproots it and says it's as if she was never a Nazira, so now the second woman is also annulled. But if he only says, from now on, you're not a Nazira, so then she's not, she, the second woman still is a Nazira. Um, so our Mishnah seems to say that he's uprooting the vow because we said that the husband can't revoke her vow if he said, me too, right? So the Gemara seems to be saying that he uproots it. So the Gemara says, no, 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 that's not the case. Because when the husband, again, remember the case, if the wife says, I'm going to be a Nizira, and he says, me too, we said he can't revoke it. Now, why is that the case? The Gemara now explains, it must be that it is, that when he said me too, it's as if he was mekayem, he was upholding her vow. Now we learned in Masachet Nedarim, as soon as he upholds her vow, he cannot revoke it afterwards. So he upheld it. When he said me too, he's like, ah, oh, great idea. Let's do this together. I'll also do it. Right? That seems to imply that he's approving that she should be a Nizira. Therefore, he can't annul it after he already uh, upheld it. So that is the case. Um, okay, so uh, the Gemara continues. Let's say, and we had this case before, uh, a woman takes on Nizirut, and then let's say she decides to drink wine, which she's not supposed to do, and she becomes impure. So it teaches us that she gets lashes, right? She gets punished. 
Now, the Gemara asks, what's the case? If her husband revoked the fact that she was a Nizira and she doesn't know that he revoked it and she does all these things, she doesn't get lashes for that because she wasn't a Nizira. He already revoked it. Uh, Daf 22 at the top tells us, um, we'll, we'll get back to that case in a minute, another case, all right, a woman who is a Nizira, who became impure, and then she set aside her sacrifices, we did this at the beginning of our class, um, and then her husband revokes the vow, she brings one sacrifice and not the other. Now, if she's bringing the sacrifice after he revoked it, that seems to prove that he is not uprooting the fact that she was a Nizira, rather just from now on. Um, that's why she brings the, the, the sacrifice. So the Gemara says, no, 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 that doesn't prove either because if he didn't uproot it, she should bring both, right? And if he did, then she shouldn't bring any. So again, the Gemara says, as we had mentioned um, a few minutes ago, she brings the sin offering not because she became impure, rather because she deprived herself of wine. Uh, and therefore, again, it does not, um, it does not uh, prove either way uh, if what the husband is doing is uprooting or just cutting it off. Um, okay, if... <coughs> excuse me. If a friend hears the woman take on Nizirut and she says, me too, and then the husband revokes the first woman's Nizirut, we said that the second woman is still a Nizira. So if she says, I am going to be exactly like you, so then she isn't a Nizira, right? Meaning if she links herself completely to the first woman, then if he revokes it for the the first woman, she is also annulled as well. Um, the Gemara questions if when a woman says, and me, right, does she mean the initial state, right? Or is she talking about the end state, meaning what happens even after the husband revokes it. Uh, and the Gemara answers that she generally when you say and me or me too, uh, it usually means we're going to, to the initial state, meaning if she says she wants to be a Nizira, that's what we are talking about. Let's say the woman said, I will be a Nizira in your footsteps. So that's somewhere between and me right, which is not so linked to um, I'm like you. Uh, so in your footsteps is somewhere in the middle. Um, so the question is, um, is she released from the Nizirut if the husband revokes the vow? Um, it seems from our Mishnah that when the husband says me too, he also says something like, I'm going to follow in your footsteps. Like, great idea. Let's do this together. And he can't revoke the Nizirut because he's completely connected. So too, the friend, if she says, in your footsteps, it seems that she is completely connected to the friend. And therefore, if the first woman's vow is revoked, hers is released as well. Um, okay, L last case for today. If the husband says, I'm an Azir, and you, 
right? Again, either question mark or statement. And she says, Amen, right? Yeah, let's do it together. Uh, then they're both Nizirim, right? If she doesn't say anything, um, then neither of them are Nizirim because he connected himself to her, right? Let's do it together. If she doesn't agree, so then he also isn't a Nazir, right? But if he says, right, um, if he doesn't connect himself to her, right, then uh, he can revoke hers and his still is intact. Um, the Gemara constructs the case where he isn't connected to her, right, by saying, I'm a Nazir. What about you, darling? What would you like to do, right? So then, right, it's not we're going to do it together. It's rather uh, we are going to, I guess, together but separately. Uh, and therefore, they are not linked. Uh, he can revoke hers and his still stays intact. Uh, okay, Baruch Hashem. Uh, wishing everybody a wonderful week of briut, of health, and Be'ezrat uh, Hashem, I will sound better Be'ezrat Hashem next week. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Thank you, Rabbi.